if you if you think Luna on the Wish is ill conceived, go on go on one of the Carnival XL class ships. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by my path unwinding travel. And Sam, we got a guest back, a repeat guest, a repeat guest we love chatting with. I know. I'm so excited. We have had this guest on, I don't even know how many times. He might be the most repeated guest on this show. In fact, so much so that he gave us a shout out on his own podcast, mentioning that, you know, if you don't want to listen to him there, you can listen to him a bunch (laughs) of times on our show. So welcome, Jonathan, who is the co-host of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers on the Geek News Network uh, and longtime guest and obviously friend of our show. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thanks for having me for, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what episode this is, but <laughs> it's it's been a lot and we still haven't met in person. I know. Very soon, less than a year, and we can make that possible. We can make that happen. That's right. That's (laughs) right. We were supposed to meet up at Disneyland, but unfortunately, we ended up last minute canceling that trip. I don't even remember which one of us was sick, but one of us was sick (laughs) at the time. And so it just didn't make sense for us to go. But it was like your first time or first time in a long time at Disneyland, I remember, because we Mm -hmm. had been talking about sort of. You know, how things worked and how things operated at Disneyland. But anyway, we're not going to talk about Disneyland today. We're going to talk about Disney Cruise Line, but we're going to do a compare contrast show again to Carnival Cruise Line. Jonathan's been on a couple of times to do some compare and contrast with Carnival as he's sailed on both many times. But Jonathan, why don't you give our, our um, listeners uh, a refresher on how many cruises you've been on and what various lines you've been on? Yeah, so I have been on 14 total cruises, four with Carnival, 10 with Disney. So I've got that platinum status. You know, I got that right as they introduced Pearl. So I feel a little slighted, but <laughs> you know, you, you shoot for platinum for so long and then they, they pull the rug out from under you, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, all, it's all in good fun. So yeah, 14 total cruises, four with Carnival, 10 with Disney. Nice. Um, so let's talk about uh, what itineraries you've done, um, because I know we're talking about this cruise that you just went on was on Carnival and it was an Eastern Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been on an Eastern Caribbean on Disney Cruise Line? We've been on two Eastern Caribbean with Disney and one Western Caribbean. I had to think how many times we've been on the fantasy, but yeah, it's been three times. So, And then this is the first time we ever did a, an Eastern Caribbean with Carnival. Nice. So pretty good, you know, head to head comparison. Let's talk a little bit. I think, Brian, unless you think differently, I'm thinking we start talking a little bit about the booking process and shore excursions in particular. I know we've talked about booking and comparing booking for Carnival and Disney Cruise Line before, but I'm I'm curious as to booking shore excursions and what you sort of saw that was similar or maybe different between Disney and Carnival for this Eastern Caribbean itinerary. Mm-hmm. So the ports that we went to on this Carnival Eastern Caribbean were uh, Amber Cove in the Dominican Republic. Then we went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then St. Martin. Yeah, those are the three, the three ports that we visited. So all three of those ports were not ports that I visited on either of my fantasy Eastern Caribbean voyages. So the shore excursions were 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer to compare Disney's offerings in those ports compared to Carnival's offerings. But I imagine, you know, at least for St. Martin, you have your typical tours that, that hit both sides of the island. That's one, that is the tour that we took. We took a little bus tour, got a history of both the French and Dutch sides of the island and actually got some time to shop and take in some local food on the French side. Uh, on that excursion. So, yeah, I would imagine Disney has something similar. It was it was a it was a an interesting day <laughs> that day in St. Martin because there was a fire at the airport. Oh my gosh. It was quite the experience because, you know, we our our drive back to the port actually took us right past the airport and you could see people standing outside with bags trying to get in the airport, people trying to get out of the airport because they evacuated and the St. Martin airport is right practically on the beach so you have a lot of you had a lot of people like looking (laughs) that's crazy from the beach trying to see what was going on at the airport for the other excursions or the other ports what did you end up booking for excursions i'm just sort of curious as to what the what the options are obviously you mentioned disney doesn't go to these same ports so that's Mm -hmm. i think interesting in and of itself but i wonder was there anything sort of highlights from these in particular ports that were like oh i've got to do that and and that's something i've never seen available before we didn't do anything crazy this time because this this cruise, unlike unlike any of our previous cruises, we took our nephews with us on this one. So our nephews are 11 and 15. None of the family joined us on the cruise. So their parents, their grandparents, it was just the, the four of us together on a cruise. And we were looking at family friendly activities, you know, stuff right. that, you know, of course, would appeal to them. So we didn't book anything in San Juan. We Our plan initially was to take a taxi once we got off the ship to the fort that's right along the, mm-hmm. the, the, the beach line there. I can't think of the name. It's the San Felipe del Castillo, I believe. Something is, like is, that. Is that, that one? Right. <laughs> so our plan was to take a taxi there and then walk the 10 minutes from that fort to the other fort that's close to the cruise port. We had trouble finding a taxi. So really? it almost like it almost seemed like they didn't want to take us that short distance. Hmm. Like it almost seemed like they were prioritizing other people over us because they kept trying to get us to walk, which hmm. probably in 90 degree heat was not the best idea. We that's what we ended up doing. We had lots of water. We had lots of fluids. We took care. We made sure of that, of course. But yeah, I, I, I kind of wish we would have just stuck to our guns and had them put us in a taxi rather than listening uh, to them and, and walking that distance. Mm-hmm. For future reference, I will never do that again. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the end of July in San Juan is not pretty. Oh, yeah. I mean, any place in like the in the frankly, in the Caribbean is is rough that time of year. It's quite, quite warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were your plans? At, and how old are your nephews that you took with you? They are 11 and 15. OK, so they're preteen and teen. Mm hmm. What were the other types of or what the other excursions that you were looking at or 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 actually booked in the in the other ports? So what we had originally booked for for the Dominican Republic for Amber Cove, we had booked a it was a it was a tour with a local tour guide, but one of the stops that we would have went to was a local orphanage where you get to meet the kids, talk to the kids, find out about them and their lives and and they wow. go they'll like make you like little crafts for you and tell you about the history of the orphanage and that kind of stuff. It, it, it I thought it would be a great experience for both of them to kind of see what that experience is like. 
Carnival canceled the tour, or the tour operator canceled the tour roughly three weeks before sailing. From what I hear is that has to be, there has to be a certain number of people booked on that for it to go. So if they don't receive the required number, then they cancel it. Oh, what a bummer. So unfortunately, we were probably the only four that booked it if I had to... And I, I, you know, I tried to get people in a cruise group to to book it, but it never, it just never happened, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I wonder. I mean, I can understand folks might not want to do that as a part of, you know, vacation. It's it's a little heavy. It but is. I, but I also understand, like, I think that's such a valuable experience to have when you're on a vacation to, you know, to do something like that. What did you all end up doing then? Because Carnival just recently had that Amber Cove port uh, built for their uh, ships. They basically have a dedicated area, much like, you know, when you step on to Castaway Key, you've got, they have a pool area, they have cabanas, they have all kinds of stuff in this at the at the cruise terminal where the the ship docks they had a giant pool where it was just if you were on the cruise you got to utilize the pool facilities at no charge they had a zip line there that you could ride repeatedly it was it was like all you could ride for i think 25 bucks wow yeah you could go as many times as you wanted to they had a water slide they had all kinds of stuff there that you could just enjoy for for no cost you know you have your typical port shopping areas and duty-free and jewelry stores galore in in the shopping area but yeah so we just we just spent a few hours at the pool and got back on the ship and went about our day awesome what was there one other port that you mentioned that i've missed so there was san juan saint martin and amber cove i think that's it okay so the three nice nice because we had three Uh, days at sea yeah. So, Jonathan, I'm curious for the, since you had your nephews with you this time, what was the registration process like leading up to the cruise for Carnival in terms of both, you're not the parents or guardians, so mm-hmm. what did you have to do to deal with that on Carnival? And then, you know, Disney, you pre-register for like kids club mm-hmm. access kind of thing. Did Carnival do something similar or did you just have to do it when you got on board? So, yes, I was able to pre-register both of the boys for the kids clubs through the it was through the check-in process so once they were once we did the check-in process i was able to sign them up and pre-register them for the clubs which neither of them took advantage of but (laughs) uh that's okay i'd rather them have you know the opportunity to be registered and not do it than you know the other way around so as far as the the legality of everything so Carnival has a form that I did some digging on their website and found it's like a temporary guardianship form that, you know, you can fill out and have signed by the family. And then we signed it as well. But we went an extra step further and decided to essentially draw up a temporary guardianship agreement and have it notarized mm-hmm. so that in the event that there was any kind of need for them to have medical attention mm-hmm. that we could get it for them and not have to just call their parents first, you know, we could yeah. prioritize getting them seen and then what, depending on what was wrong, we could inform the parents. So we wanted to make sure that all of them, that we had everything that we needed to take care of any possible need that they, that, you know, that they could have. Yeah. So Carnival's form, it sounds like didn't require you to have it notarized, but you did Correct. that extra paper. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really smart thing to do. Obviously, you know, 
you never know what's going to be recognized in another country or even in other states as far as, you know, forms, but you certainly have a, a better chance if you've got something notarized. I will say when we leave, when we have left the country and left Nathan with family, we have done the same thing. We have like sort of written up a an authorization for, you know, temporary guardianship for the person to be able to get any kind mm-hmm. of medical care so that if we can't be reached or it's an emergency, we're not delaying any emergency care for Nathan. So I think that's really, really, really smart. So, so Jonathan, your nephews didn't use the kids club, it sounds like. Did they think they wouldn't enjoy it or did was there just enough activity on the ship that they didn't need it? Like, What was the reason they didn't go to the kids club? I'm curious. So the 11-year-old nephew went to the kids' club for about five minutes, and it was just really loud. He has hearing devices, so I think everything is just amplified. And, you know, when you get any kids between three and 11, it gets a little loud and screamy. So I think that was the time that he happened to walk into the kids' club, and he was like, nope, I'm done. (laughs) So he was there for five minutes and texted sent a text to my wife and said, come, come get me. So yeah. So he was, he was not a fan of that. The older nephew, the 15 year old has a girlfriend. So he was busy talking and chatting and, you know, virtually hanging out with her instead of going to the clubs and socializing with other kids. Now, I mean, he did have his time, you know, he did have fun. He, he was with us for all the meals. He, took advantage of a lot lot of the on-ship activities, the water areas, the pools, the slides, everything like that. So he still got to have fun. But as far as any downtime when he wasn't at the pools, it was usually spent talking to the girlfriend. So (laughs) That's funny. That's really funny. (laughs) You know, he's 15. He's a 15-year-old boy. You know what he is. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we didn't say much because let him have it. (laughs) Let him have that. Speaking of the pool deck, since you brought it up, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Which ship was this for on Carnival? Obviously, you've been on now several Carnival ships, but which ship was this, and and how would you compare its pool deck offerings to that on Disney? And you know, does it have more, less, or about the same? Because I know there's a lot of variety within the Carnival fleet. So we were on Carnival Celebration, which is part of their XL class, which is their current largest class of ship. It's also their newest set of ships. It shall be a class of three. So there's the Carnival Mardi Gras, which came before the Celebration, then the cel- then, then the ship we were on, and then the Carnival Jubilee, which is going to sail exclusively from Galveston. We were on the Celebration. So it's their largest class of ship, holds just south of 6,000 total passengers at, at full occupancy. So yeah, it's a it's a very large ship. I think there were nineteen total decks. No, maybe there were twenty one total decks. It was wow. It, yeah, uh, I think big. I want to say there were nineteen or twenty one total decks. Now, of course, decks tw- nineteen and twenty, they were just there for certain activities, like to access the the water slides. That was on I think nineteen or twenty, and then there's a couple other activities that we can talk about in a little bit. So as far as the pools, so they had one main pool on the on the pool deck. They had a pool on the after the ship. Then there's a pool on deck six. And then there's an adults only area called Serenity. I th- yeah, they call it Serenity there too on Carnival. And I can't remember exactly where that was, but we never went because we pretty much always had the boys with us. So at least one of them. So uh, could not really get to the adult areas. As far as other activities up on deck, there's a mini golf course. There is a ropes course, 
the the Carnival XL class ships all have a have the first roller coaster at sea. Ah, yeah. Which which is called Bolt. Yeah. So this is that the same one as is on the Mardi Gras? It is. It's the okay. exact same. Correct. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, I have to know, did you ride the roller coaster at sea and what did you think of it? We did. Let's see. My wife, myself, and our 15-year-old nephew wanted to ride it. The the 11-year-old wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but he spent he spent all of his time on the water slides. That was his thing. So the three of us rode the roller coaster. It was $15 per person. But if you oh, wait, wait, so this I didn't know this. Yes. Um, like, so the roller coaster is extra money is like the mini golf extra money. And what was no. the other on the ropes course? OK, is the no. rope course. OK, the ropes course and the mini golf are, are included in your cruise fare. The roller coaster at sea was fifteen dollars. Now, if you booked if you book through the app and you book three, you got it was basically buy two, get one free. So three people in your stateroom could ride for thirty dollars instead of forty five. Okay. So, so we took buy, advantage of that. Buy to get one free. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we did take advantage of that. So one of us got to ride for free. It's kind of what you'd expect a roller coaster at sea to be like. It doesn't go very fast. There's no inversions or anything like that. I think the maximum speed is 45 miles per hour. And you just have some pretty steep banked turns and some some steep curves that kind of give you a little bit of hold on to your seat, you know, hold on tight kind of vibe you know, thing. And then not really any weightlessness sections that I can remember. I think maybe one towards the end where you, you know, it's like a rabbit hill where you kind of get uh, bumped out of your seat a little bit. But yeah. I mean, for a roller coaster in the ocean, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like anything is impressive to be, you know, on the top deck of a pool and on a roller coaster. Was there a long wait for it, John? So when you booked your time through the ride, you you booked a time slot. It was a 15-minute window. And the two times, so you know, when, when the three of us rode, we showed up right at our return time. We were on the ride within 10 minutes. Okay, that's not bad. I actually wish they'd implement that kind of a system with the uh, the aqueduct, frankly, uh, or the aquamouse. Jonathan, you mentioned the cost for the roller coaster. I'm curious. I know we've talked to you before about Carnival Cruise Lines, but like, what other kinds of costs did you incur on board for like activities? Not like drinks and things like that that we'd all expect, or the spa, but activities you wanted to do. What else cost extra? No, as far as other activities on the ship that cost money, you've got bingo, you've got deal or no deal, which is a game show that they play on board. That didn't cost any money. One of the shows one night was Family Feud Live, and there was an audition process, but it didn't cost money to participate in that if you got selected. <laughs> Wait, uh, an audition process? That's yes. so fun. Did you Did you try and get into Family Feud? We wanted to, but you had to have a, a party of five and we were a party of four and we didn't yeah. know that going in. So we were just standing there. You know, we didn't uh, just find a random fifth person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now we know for future reference that you have to have a group of five to audition. So yeah, basically. So we'll never get it because we're always three. <laughs> and you said deal or no deal was a game show they do that doesn't cost anything extra. What's oh, the oh prize, no, no, no. <laughs> deal or no deal does cost extra. It, it's it's priced oh, it, price okay. probably similar to bingo. You know, you buy game cards and but yeah, there are prizes and the audience can play, but then somebody else somebody uh, is up on stage opening cases. It's it, it's oh. an interactive gambling activity that's, you know, that's outside of the casino generally. Interesting. So more similar to a bingo yeah. game. Huh. I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen the TV show Deal or No Deal, but 
I've never seen this version, obviously. What were the shows on board, Jonathan? On on this class of ship, there were generally two shows a night. So on, on Carnival's XL class, this entire class of ships, they have if you if you think Luna on the Wish is ill conceived, go on go on one of the Carnival XL class ships. So uh, so they have a center stage theater, which in theory is an amazing idea. It's a multi-purpose space. It has LED screens that are uh, on rotating and moving arms so they can kind of uh, move screens around as needed to create an image or you know to create an aesthetic. It, it, it looks really cool, but it's spread out over three decks and the sight lines are awful. So unless you're down on the on the main deck on deck, I believe it was deck six, which was more of a club atmosphere, kind of like the lower level of Luna. You know, you've got tables mm-hmm. and you've got some chairs and, and seats spread throughout, but then you've got seating on deck seven and deck eight and the sight lines were just awful. So I, I we rarely saw shows there because, you know, if you didn't get there an hour early, you didn't get a good seat. Wow. An hour yeah. early. It was wow. it was bad. What kind of shows did they have on board? Is it the typical kind of like Broadway review style or or jukebox kind of shows? Yeah, these these are all very much jukebox style shows. Uh, They were high concept. You know, the one show was circus themed. So they had performers like in rings suspended from the floor and Ooh. trapeze and you know that kind of stuff. Like Cirque du Soleil. Uh, yeah, similar, but not, I mean, obviously because they're in and around people, it's not as death-defying as, as Cirque can be. Again, in, in concept, in theory, it's really cool. It's just in execution, it's it's not a good place to watch shows. So then they have a lounge or theater in the front of the ship, which spans two decks, just like, the Walt Disney Theater does on the Disney ships, and it is much more of a, a traditional theater atmosphere. So that's where they did the Broadway style reviews and the jukebox shows. The ones in Center Stage were a mo- lot more high concept. How did they compare quality wise to what we see on Disney? There is no comparison. <laughs> I mean, uh, and that's not to take anything away from those performers because they do a phenomenal job. And I, and, but it, it's, it's very much fitting songs, fitting popular songs into a theme. And sometimes the theme is a little shoehorned in. <laughs> it doesn't always mesh well, but I mean, the performances are never terrible. I mean, they, I mean the, the, the singers and the performers are, are, mm-hmm. are, you know, they're singing and dancing they're their hearts quality. out. Yeah, yeah. They're high quality. It's just, it doesn't have the theatrical presentation or the, the memorable IP that Disney shows do. Right. So you're not, you don't get Disney storytelling, but you get excellent performers. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Talk to me about food, Jonathan. Did you eat mostly in main dining? And I'm, I'm curious to know how your nephews found the food as well. So the older nephew, the 15 year old discovered shrimp cocktail. And that was his, <laughs> so he, he, there were times where he would order three orders of shrimp cocktail a night. I love it. <laughs> Smart food. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, you know very smart. He enjoyed that very much. The older or the younger nephew, we thought get him a kids menu. He'll find stuff. It, unfortunately, the kids menu was the same every night. So mm. that is one major difference from Disney. Mm. They don't have the the different choices every night. So he ordered more often than not from the adult menu. He tried things like butternut squash soup and liked it. He tried a few other things that uh, that we were impressed that he enjoyed. On this class of ship, they have the main dining, and I guess they discovered that the main dining rooms weren't enough to hold 
all guests that wanted to go to uh, the main rotate, the main dining every night. So mm-hmm. they started allowing you to visit three of the specialty restaurants and you could visit them throughout your cruise as many times as you wanted. Now they have since changed that and made some tweaks but we had the option to eat at the Italian restaurant. We had the option to eat at Guy's Pig and Anchor Barbecue, or we had the option to eat at a restaurant called Chibang. And that is, they have a Chinese food menu and a Mexican food menu. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember this from the last time we talked, because I think you, yeah, you mentioned that. It was it, so just so I understand, was it that they gave you one kind of floating night to go eat at one of these restaurants, or every night you had a choice? Like what? Yeah, we could have gone to main dining or either of those three restaurants any night of the cruise. Only once or all or like you could go to all. Could you have gone to all specialty dining instead of eating in the main dining room if you wanted? Yes, we could have. But just these restaurants. There are other ones that are additional cost, right? Correct. Correct. Now, Carnival has since changed it where I think you can eat at you can eat at Guy's as many nights as you want on the Mardi Gras and the celebration. But if you wanted to eat at Chebang or the Italian restaurant, you can only eat there once per cruise. Uh, But that didn't go into effect until after hours. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode is carnival the one who also recently instituted the charge if you wanted like additional food and additional entree i think it was in so if you want you so you can order as many appetizers as many desserts as you want main dining you are allowed you are permitted to order two entrees at no additional cost. If you want a third entree, it's $5. Fourth entree, $5. Oh, interesting. What What are the portion sizes like in main dining comparable to what Disney serves? Yeah, or? I mean, oh, you're, you're not going hungry with... <laughs> <laughs> with with two yeah. entrees, that's for sure. Yeah, that's. What, I mean, if it was like tapas plates or something, then I could understand people wanting to order three. But I think two is about my limit. Probably once per cruise, when Sam orders something for the quote unquote table, which is really I want a bite of it, <laughs> and then so everyone else yeah. will eat the rest of it. Well, also, um, I think part of that is like, what if you aren't sure if you're going to like something, right? Like, so you might order you might order two entrees at some point because you're like, oh, I'm going to try this thing that I've never eaten before. But if I don't like it, I really want to have this other thing, right? So I'm glad they don't charge you for your second entree. It's only if you're ordering a third. That seems that seems eminently reasonable to me. 
And I would think it's also at the serving team's discretion. Like if you order something that you don't like, and then that would say that was your second entree, but you wanted a different second entree, I think they might be a little more reasonable. Primarily, I think it's to cut down on food waste to prevent people from ordering way too much and then eating one or two bites. I think that's why they instituted the charge. But yeah, I I think in special circumstances or, you know, you order something that you just don't like, I don't think they would charge you that $5 for that third entree. That makes sense. So did your nephews like the food overall? It sounds like <laughs> one of your nephews loved the shrimp cocktail, but it was was the food over. And how did you find the food this time around? You know, good, yeah, bad? I, I thought the food was really good overall. It was, Carnival's menus are a lot more, a lot more nights you have American or continental, you know, dining. You have a couple nights, like formal night, where you have, you know, prime rib and lobster tail and that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, the, the menu overall is a lot more accessible, a lot more... Like one night, one of those main entrees is a cornmeal dusted chicken breast. Another night they have fried chicken and it's fried on the bone chicken. Other nights they'll have chicken parmesan like as, as the, the highlighted entree for the night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it's, all, it's all good. It's all accessible. But as far as the presentation, Disney has high, gets higher marks on the presentation. You know, they they make the entrees look. The presentation is there's a lot more focus on the presentation with Disney's entrees than than Carnival places on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds like sounds like a little bit simpler food and a little bit less fancy the way it looks. Yeah. Now, now, if you go to one of the ups, you know the the upcharge restaurants, the the premium restaurants, of course, presentation is going to take center stage. Did you all end up uh, doing any of that premium dining, or no? Because you already had those, you know, three sort of included s- semi premium dining. Yeah, we ate in the main dining room four nights, and then we ate at each of those included specialty restaurants once. So no, we did not get to. We did not enjoy any of the other premium restaurants so they have they have sushi and other they have like noodle bowls and stuff like that that's an upcharge that's Mm -hmm. an a la carte option so you kind of piece together your entree i i I do like that that restaurant has the option for omakase so Mm -hmm. you just let the chef decide and you pay a flat price for omakase there's a teppanyaki restaurant that i think is 28 dollars a person so you get the full teppanyaki experience there at sea there are a couple, there's an upscale seafood restaurant. Uh, it's Rudy Sodeman is the celebrity chef that sponsors that restaurant. So it's upscale seafood. There's an Emeralds uh, Bistro, which is, you know, your Emeralds signature Cajun Creole options. There's a Even fresh... though he's from New Jersey. I know, <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he has the same, you know, restaurant in New Orleans. So he do, he does know. But Sam, he says, I know. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I know. Listen, Emerald does actually know Cajun cuisine, but it's just I always think it's funny. Because... Don't, you, don't you see it every time we're in New Orleans? Everyone's just walking around the streets going, bam. bam. No, no. But no it, it, it is right. funny that the guy from New Jersey has made his career on New Orleans. cooking. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, I'm curious with these other specialty offerings outside of the three that you could kind of go to any time. Do you pre-book them? Do you book them on board? And is it like a set cost or are you paying like menu prices? Like what, what's the setup for these? Sure. Restaurants? Each restaurant is different. So I think the teppanyaki was a flat charge of $28 and you got the full experience. Rudy's was $48 and it was a four course experience. The Emeralds location was a la carte. 
The seafood shack, which was fresh seafood on pool deck, that was a la carte as well. The sushi restaurant, it was also a la carte. And many, and as, now as far as booking, you could book online prior to the cruise, or you could book through the Carnival Hub app once you were on board the ship, or you could go to the restaurant if they weren't busy. Like I know that the the Emeralds is just a counter where you go up, you order your food, and then they seat you. So that you don't make a reservation for that. But Rudy's, the steakhouse, teppanyaki, all of that you needed reservations for. So yeah, you can either do that on the app or pre-book. Speaking of the app, any thoughts about how Carnival's app works? Obviously, you've got a lot of experience with Disney's app. You have a decent amount of experience with Carnival's app. How would you compare the two? Obviously, I think on Carnival, you can sort of pre-book more things than you can with Disney. But as far as functionality and sort of user friendliness, what would you say about them? I would say that they're pretty similar overall. If you choose the flexible dining option for your dining while on Carnival, you have to uh, basically go on to the app and request your table and check in to dine. So -hmm. you check in to dine. It tells you, okay, it's going to be X number of minutes. We'll give you a push notification when your table's ready. Please do not head to the restaurant until you get the table ready notification. Oh, that's nice. So you're not just like standing there in the hallway blocking people from entering or something like that. That's actually really convenient. Yeah, but of course, just like Disney, everybody wants to rope drop the restaurants. (laughs) So you still get that. End the insanity. End the insanity, everyone. Have a drink. The show doesn't start without you as long as you're there in the first 20 to 30 minutes. So you always get that bottleneck at the restaurant, people waiting for their table to be ready or or getting instruction from the crew members on how to check in to dine, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that 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 is the same on both cruise lines. Aye, rope drop culture. Aye. Yes. So that is one thing we never did. We always checked in on the app and did not go to the dining room until it was our time. That's because you know better because right. it's not, it's things, you know, a watch pot doesn't boil faster, right? It's, uh, it's, it's going to take the same time, whether you're standing there and bothering people or relaxing in your stateroom. Speaking of staterooms, we haven't talked about what your stateroom was in comparison to what you, what you usually have on Disney. What kind of stateroom did you get? And if you can do in sort of closest you can, apples to apples comparison to what you get on Disney. So we booked a balcony stateroom or veranda in Disney nomenclature. This is the first balcony room we had ever booked. So it was it was a treat to ourselves. It's not something we normally do. We mm-hmm. usually go for ocean view, sometimes inside, depending. So this was a nice street for us. And we spent a little bit of time on the balcony, probably not as much as we normally would with, you know, two other trap, you know, kids with us mm-hmm. or two, you know, so like my wife and I didn't really get much time on the balcony to enjoy it because we were worried, you know, taking care of them. So in the stateroom, it was a, it was two twin beds that can convert to a king. So that's okay. the option on carnival. So of course we opted for the king conversion. And then there was a pull out sofa bed and a, an upper berth that came mm-hmm. down from the ceiling. So that was the sleeping arrangement. I will tell you one thing I loved about the staterooms on, on the carnival celebration is there were 310 volt standard outlets, and there were probably six USB ports scattered about the room. Some, nice. by, the, some by the bed, by the, by the little reading light, some were on the main vanity. But yeah, we were never, never lacking for ways to charge our, our stuff. 
Yeah. I will say that The Wish has done a really, they've done a really good job on The Wish of doing that as well. And even the upgrades to the Magic post-Dry Dock, at least in the room that we were in, had been one of the rooms that had been updated in Mm -hmm. Concierge. And they also, outlets everywhere, like it was fantastic. But But on the regular rooms and the older ships, and even on the Dream and the Fantasy, there's just not enough outlets to charge all of your stuff especially now that they're, you know, putting magic band and stuff on the ships. It's like, I need more, I need more USB plugs everywhere now. Talk to me a little bit about the, the beds. And I guess what my question really is about the sofa bed and the upper berth or bunk bed. Did your nephews find them comfortable? Cause that's, you know, the sofa beds are not known for being the most comfortable yeah. things. And those bunk beds, you know, depending upon how big the kid is, can be more or less comfortable. Mm -hmm. Our nephew, neither of them had any complaints about the beds. They both were comfortable every night. My wife and I were comfortable in the bed, but the temperature in the room, we could never get quite right. It was always a little too warm for our liking, and we could never get it to 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 work quite as cold as we wanted it to. But Mm -hmm. our nephews were comfortable, so I guess that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about onboard activities. We talked a bunch about the pool deck and we talked about some of the sort of gambling type activities that were available. But what uh, what about other activities that are on board, you know, let's say during a sea day? What kinds of stuff did you all get up to and was available for you to get up to? So throughout the day, there's structured activities. There's lots of trivias, of course, just like any cruise line has lots of trivia. There's bingo. There's They have some game shows in the evening that were offered in place of shows and performances. I, I, I know I had previously mentioned Family Feud Live, and it is a full production of Family Feud. Like They have the licensing and everything. It is oh, a wow. fully structured game. That they have the podiums, the sounds, the music, all of it. It feels like you're watching a true Family Feud episode of the game show, minus Steve Harvey, of (laughs) course. But (laughs) I would say our cruise director could give Steve a run for his money, though. Wow. I mean, mean, now, Steve Harvey is Steve Harvey, but just just the the amount of engagement that our cruise director had with the the contestants, he was very good at the witty banter and, you know, and making it feel like it was an episode of the show. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, he, he... did his homework and and has studied game tape of of Family Feud game shows in the past. Love it. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a it was a it was a fun experience watching. We watched two of the three shows that night because the third one was eighteen plus. So mm-hmm. of course we couldn't bring the nephews to that one. Curious, you know, on Disney we have usually an entire team of people who do those sort of game show mm-hmm. type things. On Carnival, is there a similar team or is it really the cruise director that does sort of all of those entertainment things? I know that varies cruise line. line. Yeah. So as far as there is a fun squad and they do a lot of the trivias and the little game competitions. But as far as the main entertainment for the evening that was always the cruise director interesting yes so the the one thing about the cruise director on carnival it is a much more guest focused experience we actually attended a QA with the cruise director the last night of the last sea day the last day of the cruise and he was saying that he was a cruise director for another line and he took when he went with car when he left that line and went to carnival 
he he said he never wanted to be a cruise director again because it was 90% paperwork, 10% guest interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted something that was, you know, much more guest facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they explained that that's how things are with Carnival, that you will be much more involved with the guests that, you know, he's like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll do what it takes to become a cruise director because I want to spend my time with the guests. They're the reason I'm here. Yeah. And I feel like that's very different than the Disney model because I'm not saying the cruise director doesn't interact with the guests, but the cruise director definitely has a supervisory role, that a management role that is less guest facing. And I would say the assistant cruise director and then the entertainment team but beneath them are sort of the more guest facing role. So that's yeah. definitely a, a big difference in the in the sort of the way things operate. The best comparison I can think of is the cruise director on Carnival is more like the club host on Disney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, they don't actually have that position anymore, the club (laughs) host. It now rotates. So it's like the entire entertainment staff, they rotate who sort of does those evening activities. But there used to be a dedicated person that was part of the entertainment staff that was the club host. And, And for those listening and don't know what I'm talking about, it would be the person who would host like Match Your Mate majority rules all the adult all the game shows yeah all the adult game shows and then even the adult some of the adult music trivia that is held in sort of the larger venue not all of the trivia or all of the adult trivia or all the adult music trivia but the ones that were sort of marquee which were usually like 80s 90s and 2000s music trivia hi my name is chris Chris. what's my name There you go. One of our favorite yeah. club hosts. He was a club host. Yeah. He's still with the cruise line, but he's not a club host anymore. I'm not sure if he, I think he might be an assistant cruise director. And Tiza, who's still with the entertainment staff on Disney, she was one of the club hosts as well. There was a I few love others. Tiza. Yeah. T- she's still with the cruise line. She's. I don't. I don't remember the name of the, there was one from woman from the UK who was really fun too. Remember she was the one who did like the eighties dancing yes. and stuff. Like she I came just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who she was, yeah. but anyway, Jonathan, I'm I'm curious as we wind down here uh, for a second, just to know. So, I mean, you've sailed Carnival quite a bit lately. What keeps attracting you back? Is it just it's more affordable than Disney, or is it something more than that? We've seen with the the pricing on the treasure how Disney is getting much <laughs> more difficult to you know to afford in the cruise space and i would much rather do two or three cruises than one cruise you know mm-hmm. so and i and you know we still get our disney fix i know we're doing you know we do plan to sail on the on the disney magic when she visits lighthouse point mm-hmm. we are planning to book the treasure for summer of 2025 when that becomes available so you know we'll still get our disney cruise line fix but it will be we you know we will try other lines carnival is just a different atmosphere it's a different level of cruise it's for us when we want to be adults it's there right Mm. that's kind of you know when we want to have an adult cruise experience you know where we want when we want to you know hang out in the clubs hang out in the the lounges when we cruise carnival we spend a lot more time in the lounges talking to the staff and talking to the, the crew members than we do on disney you know, Disney is where we get to be big kids, right? So yeah, you're gonna be, spend all your time seeing all the shows and stuff, obviously. Right, seeing the shows, meeting the characters. You know, we'll I'll, I'll go to the lounge and get a drink as a nightcap, but we won't spend a lot of time in there on Disney ships. So mm. uh, it's kind of you know when we want to have, like I said, a little bit more of a 
an adult experience, we 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 prefer Carnival. Interesting. Are you considering any other cruise lines or checking out any other cruise lines? Because now you've you've done ten on Disney, you've done four on Carnival, but you haven't branched out to something else. If you know, if you were well, one, are you going to branch out? And two, if you were to branch out, where do you think you would sort of head next? I, I know we definitely want to try Virgin Voyages. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we have some friends who have sailed on Virgin quite a few times and have had amazing experiences every single time. I would, I would, I would want to try Royal just to see what they're like. Um, I do not think I could get on one of their Icon class ships or one of their those class of ships. I think that's just a little bit too large and intimidating for me. <laughs> so I would go with one of their smaller ships. I think. I wouldn't mind trying Princess. I, I hear Princess is a very good cruise line if for Alaska. I hear they do very good things for, in Alaska, and they they just the way that just some of the offerings that they have, I guess, are better than even Disney. Yeah, I've heard that too. And my, actually, my aunt and cousin did a Princess cruise to Alaska and and thought it was fabulous. Yeah, I don't think we would ever try MSC. I just don't think that's our style. I don't know if we would try Holland America. My wife's parents have sailed them a few times and love it, but I just don't think that's our style either. I don't think we're old enough quite yet <laughs> <laughs> to get the full benefit out of Holland America. But, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I'm not averse to trying other cruise lines, and I do have a plan to try several others uh, over the next however many years. Let me ask one direct question of you, Jonathan, before we let you go, which is just I think Carnival gets a rap as like the booze cruise line doesn't sound like it's necessarily your experience, but how different is the crowd in your experience from the crowd on board a Disney cruise? I, I've noticed that the Carnival is a lot more uh, friendly for groups. I, mm. I believe their group rates, they tend to get really good group rates because the, the cruise ticket itself is so affordable. I think that attracts a lot of people. So, I mean, it's not unusual to see groups of 20, 30 people, um, multiple groups, um, multiple weddings on board. Oh, wow. uh, it, it's it's very much a an atmosphere that is friendly to first-time cruisers and, and big cruise groups. I mean, I would imagine that you know, now we don't like short cruises, so we rarely do anything less than four nights. I would imagine that your three and four night carnival cruises are probably going to be the booze cruises that you hear so much about mm-hmm. because they're weekend getaways. They're, you know, they're the ones that attract college students or young adults, I think, more so than the longer itineraries. So I, I, I think the reputation is earned for the short sailings. I don't think it's nearly as much of a problem on the seven day and up sailings. Fair enough. Well, Jonathan, as always, and I, I took the time mid-show. I looked it up. This is Jonathan's seventh appearance on the show. I, <laughs> I love it. Unless we, unless we have one that's pending that I'm just forgetting about that hasn't gone out yet. But I think this is Jonathan's seventh appearance on love the it. show. So, Jonathan, thank you for coming on yet once again to share your experiences with our audience. We really, really, you know, I love being on the show and I appreciate you guys being so accommodating always. Yeah. I appreciate it all. I, I never would be on this show as many times as I was if it hadn't been for you guys just being such awesome people. So. Oh, thanks. Well, why don't you tell folks where can they find your podcast? 
Yeah. So my podcast is Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, and other geeky things from time to time. We we are available on every major podcast platform. We have a dedicated feed where you get our show, but we're also part of Geek News Now, which is a fan-driven, we, we call ourselves fueled by the fans because we integrate the fan opinion into everything that we do. Um so we actually are our, our upcoming episode that we have of the show is going to be talking about Captain Benjamin Cisco from Deep Space Nine. We so Geek News Now posted on Star Trek Day a little graphic to pick your favorite captain, and notably absent was Cisco. And wow. our fans let us know that they were not happy with that decision. <laughs> so we are capitalizing on that. And we spent an hour and 15 minutes talking about how awesome Captain Cisco is. I love that. I love that. And for those of you out there who are Star Trek fans or Star Wars fans or both, this is the podcast you want to listen to. They know everything about everything in the Star Trek universe and the Star Wars universe. I mean, things that I have no idea what they're talking about as a casual <laughs> Star Wars and Star Trek fan myself. I will. I do know who Captain Sisko is. I'll put that out there. But anyway, this is definitely a show for you if you are one of those, if you are a big fan of either or both Star Wars and Star Trek. Thanks again, Jonathan. And we, we can't wait to have you back again soon. All right. Thank you very much. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. <laughs>